everybody, and welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast. My name's Megan, and with us tonight are my siblings, Carl and Sarah, and our father, Harry Larry. And uh, we are going to hop right into it. We're here again at Tinker's Tavern, and we're going to start with our geek agenda, and I'm going to roll a die and see who goes first. And that will be Dad. You're on. Okay, well, I try to convince everyone to keep these short, so I'm going to try to keep it short. There is a program called IceCast, and it's a streaming radio server. And I installed that on a HPZ220 workstation, which has an i5 and 8 gig of RAM. Okay, and then there's another program called Liquid Soap, and it's a radio automation program. So the radio automation program sends the songs to IceCast, and then IceCast makes them available to the world on port 8000. Right now, it is only... Oh, hi, Kier. Right now, it is only on my local area network here. It is not on a URL. But um, my plans is to replace my Mix Remix radio station um, which is now currently serving on caster.fm with my own server right here at the house and ice cast from the house using liquid soap. The caster.fm program I'm using now is a free service and I highly recommend it, but it does not support an automation software like liquid soap. It's strictly uh, put up a playlist and it'll play it, you know. Um, so, that's been my geek agenda for the week. So I will say right off the bat, most of that went over my head, but I love the name Liquid Soap for any piece of software. I think that's brilliant. Oh, and IceCast is a Ziff.org project, and Ziff is the Aug Vorbis company. And these are all uh, GPL, open source software. All right. Here, are you in here audio-wise, or are you just in here chat-wise? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just his name. Just his name. In here. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Carl, you're next. What's your geek agenda? Uh, geek agenda meaning uh, this is the thing we're geeking out about lately? Yeah. Okay. Did the name we change? Have, we have lingo. Yeah, dad came up with it. <laughs> okay, so the name did change. I'm not like yeah. just going crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're thinking old school related to Geek Podcast. <laughs> this is this is new and refreshed. Season two. I got it. I got it. My geek agenda lately has been painting miniatures. I've been painting miniatures like crazy. That's uh, been a hobby of mine for years. Um, and uh, lately I've been painting some really old uh, 70s and 80s miniatures. Um you know, all, all lead metal miniatures. And, uh, uh, I, I've painted a couple of, uh, 15 millimeter figures and they're too small. I don't like it. <laughs> they're too tiny. I can paint them. I can make them look okay. But, uh, uh, man, I, the, the way they look on the table is almost like looking at nothing. Uh, so I think I'm going to stick to the, the 25s, uh, for now and avoid the, the, the modern miniatures that are too big. That's what I say. I uh, enjoy seeing the photos on Gamer Plus of your vintage miniatures. Yeah, there's a, a photo I posted on Gamer Plus showing a um, re fairly recent Reaper miniatures model uh, next to a 1979 Ralph Partha uh, female warrior. And she looks like a halfling or a dwarf in comparison. I mean, she's so yeah, small. I thought she was just tiny. You know, I didn't realize that it until you mentioned the scale in the comment. Mm -hmm. um, but they both look good. You, know, <laughs> you just got a really big fat cleric. Well, the problem <laughs> is, if all the miniatures get that big, they you you get all these compounded problems. They're harder to store, and then your ground scale changes. Right the the twenty five uh, millimeters equals five foot is no longer correlated to a 40 millimeter cleric if they're 35 millimeter plus then your ground scale is now off 
So have you heard of the uh, Superberry spells? I have. Okay. See, that was because of a scale problem. It was an apple tree, but it looked like basketballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the scale was wrong. So that's yeah, how it was a Superberry was... spells. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was probably a um uh, a railroad model. Right. Yeah. And, and one yeah. of those OO or HO scales, and it would have been yeah. totally different from their miniatures they were using. Yeah. But they have the painting miniatures. That's my thing. Awesome. Oh. Awesome. I miss painting, but it takes time. All right. I rolled for myself to go next. And I actually was talking to, to mom earlier in the day that I have no idea what my geek agenda is going to be because I have several life things that's taking up all my time. And then the other thing that's taking up all my time is going to be our main topic for today. So, um, but one thing that has occurred recently, I'm not really sure how this happened, but I have been kind of dabbling in hip hop, not performing, just listening. Um, but oh, man. I, I, I know, I know you're very disappointed, but I've, I, uh, I've just been kind of casually exploring the genre more and more and enjoying it. And I love the, the lyricism and all of the stuff, but it is very, very like, casual at this point like i don't i don't really have a clue what i'm getting into or do, where to do start you, do you got some picks do you got some picks for us do i have some picks yeah i was listening to uh uh pharaoh munch the other day and i was enjoying that stuff with it well all right I, I have got. something i have something i have to bring up with regard to this gretchen is our only sibling who is She's a geek, but she's not really on the Related to Geeks podcast, and she's not really into Dungeons & Dragons, you know, although she loves games. But just to show how ahead of her time she was, in 1991, Gretchen wrote and sang the Sing a Simple Song rap at Blues Fest. <laughs> she was a hip-hop star when Megan was a baby, before Megan was born. <laughs> Oh, anyway, Megan was a baby. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Eons ago. Eons ago. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> it's Vivian's job to keep up with birthdays. I can't remember birthdays. <laughs> oh, okay, then. Sarah, are you here? I rolled I you. I rolled you for geek agenda. <laughs> so what I I guess my my geek agenda lately has been cross stitch. Uh, I guess it's kind of geeky. It's pixels, so I'm going with it. And also, um, in relation to Megan's pick, uh, I don't know who it is, but I might have to send somebody a link. Uh, there is a cross stitch pattern that has the words to Rapper's Delight on it. So I, I have that in my files, and I definitely want to stitch it at some point. <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's been my that's been my kind of focus, other than the other stuff that we're going to talk about later. Yeah. So <laughs> really hard to have a geek agenda right now that isn't is. to our topic. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, I've just been. Um, I last year for Christmas gifted um, my siblings and their spouses and my mom and dad and some family friends and my sister-in-law on um, from my husband's sister uh, just basically I gave them choices of some cross-stitch patterns that I thought they might like and I am working away on that as well as some personal projects so it's keeping me busy and a lot of them are really geeky because my family's geeky so I Turns get to work out. <laughs> You get to work on some really geeky patterns, which is fun. I've got Star Wars on the go and Finish Princess Bride and just a little bit of spoiler if if um, that person happens to be listening. It's not framed, <laughs> but it's finished. <laughs> um, and dragons and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, you're going to do me a dragon. Very specific dragon. <laughs> yep. Yours, by the way, is the only pattern I have not bought yet. <laughs> It's still a contention. I'm thing. feeling great tonight. Dad doesn't know my birthday. Sarah hasn't bought my cross stitch pattern. I'm 
This is a good day. <laughs> oh, it's because I still think there's going to be something I'm going to find that's going to be better. <laughs> that's the only reason. <laughs> I like it. Okay. <laughs> All right, Kier, how's your how's your audio? Are you here? Is this working? Hey, yeah, I can hear you. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to stick to uh, push to talk on this because if I leave it open, then everyone can hear themselves. All right, Kier, what's your what's your geek agenda? Oh man, I got so much on my plate right now, but it's all kind of in the same wheelhouse as you, where everything about is about tonight's topic. So speaking of tonight's topic, let's just skip me and go on to tonight's topic. <laughs> All right. Kier's geeking about tonight's topic. Got it. Tonight's topic is going to be uh, very focused on conventions, particularly maybe starting your own convention, because it turns out several people in tonight's chat are doing that, that have started and are continuing to run a gaming convention. And uh, yeah, let's just get into it because Kier's super excited, I understand. <laughs> I am super excited. Like, <laughs> you can tell by how long it took me to find yeah, the push to talk about. I was waiting for that to go, like, explode in my ear with Kier, Kier being excited, and it took a while. Um, I, so, I'm as excited as a podcaster. So just just for context, Kier, Sarah, and I, um, two years ago, started a convention called NEA Game Fest, and it is a tabletop gaming convention, so we kind of cover all gambits. And about that same time, Carl and his wife started Arkansas RPG Con, which is obviously focused on RPGs. So we are uh, uh, a family deciding to do crazy, uh, challenging things all at the same time. But so far, it's been somewhat successful, I would say. And both of those conventions are nearing their third years, right? So mm -hmm. we're, uh, we're, we're pros at this. We absolutely know what we're doing and never make any mistakes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I like how, as I was saying that, I just saw Sarah's little un unmute come on. She's like, oh, yep. <laughs> Time for me to chime in. <laughs> we have absolutely no idea what we're doing, but we keep doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so much closer to the truth. <laughs> Literally, like five minutes before this podcast started, I was sending Sarah and Megan messages going, There's less than two weeks. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I got to be the calm one. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> before every gig, I get this edge. You know, I'm, it's, it's not really stage fright. It's uh, intensity that comes, you know, as you're approaching the time and you're loading your equipment and you got this edge and you got to get everything hooked up. And is everybody going to be there and it's all going to work? And you end up getting like addicted to that edge. You just got to have that edge, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'll jump in a little bit about kind of the reasons that I wanted to start a convention. We actually do a little bit of a unique thing where we do our convention as a fundraiser for a, a local charity. And so that's a big motivator for me because it helps me uh, keep, keep motivated through all the work because there is not a lot of money, especially at the beginning. And I, I strongly discourage anybody from thinking that they're going to maybe even break even their first year at a convention. It's, it's hard work. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, time and energy that goes into it with, with very little payout. So Money-wise, it's not necessarily going to be the strongest thing at the front end. But we, since we did it for charity, even though we didn't raise it, I mean, we, we raised quite a bit more than we would have been able to raise by ourselves because we were doing it for charity. But um, the amount we raised the first year um, wouldn't have seemed worth it if it was a for-profit endeavor. Um, but being able to provide this avenue for gaming and raise money for charity has been, has been a huge thing to keep me motivated through it. So that's, that's something to consider. Um, if you're looking at starting something similar as that, think about whether you want to look at it more as a charity thing or a for-profit thing. And there's, there's nothing uh, wrong with doing a for-profit method, but be, be aware that it's going to take a while to really, build it up into something that feels worth all the work because it is a lot of work if you're just looking at the the dollar signs at the end of it. Now as a passion project that makes a little money, 
you could still see it as being worth it, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you can grow. I mean, we we decided right off the bat we wanted to do it for charity because we um, were pretty passionate about it. Um, just not just being for ourselves. We're really huge about the community, not only the gaming community, but the community that surrounds it. So I remember that first year we we threw it together. I think we mentioned this on the last one. We threw it together in what, about two months, something like that. Yeah, and I can remember I was working probably 40 hour weeks on this project and going, (laughs) there is no way that I would be doing this for profit and expecting anything in return other than just the satisfaction of maybe putting together something that people were happy to attend. Because, I mean, I don't think I don't think I would have earned 50 cents an hour if I would have if we would have made the same amount of money. I got all of the money and (laughs) it put in for my time. It was it was a lot of work. (laughs) But in the end, and especially because it was for charity, it was super. I think we 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 surprised ourselves with how well we were able to work together in that two months and pull something like this together. I imagine it being for charity opens up avenues that are available to you. That are not yeah. available to uh, me and Courtney because ours is not a charity event, which makes me sound terrible. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, it's not; it just isn't. Um, so um, uh, we do we don't make a ton of money or anything on it, but it, it is. We just haven't ran it like a charity. Um, we run it like a side project or whatever. Um, you work it like a, a a passion project. It is a passion project right. for you, right? Um, so. Um, but I mean, you know, there's there's people that you can reach out to that are will be excited to help because it is a charity event that if we reached out to, they'd be like, oh, OK, well, uh, no, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you, random stranger, because yours, you don't even have to necessarily um, get support from people who are understanding of what an RPG is or working in the RPG industry, you know, like. Uh, you could go to local restaurants and get support and help and and, and interest uh, in helping your event because they're interested in helping a charity event where, you know, they wouldn't necessarily be as excited about ours. Um, Arkansas RPG Con was sort of born out of uh, the genesis of Arkansas RPG Con is Sarah coming to town and wanting to throw a big game party. That's the whole genesis of Arkansas RPG Con. And this would have been like 2009, uh, not 2000. Yeah, like 2009, like 10 years ago. Um, yeah, I think we had just moved to Chicago, which we moved to Chicago in 2009. So that sounds right. Yeah. You came to town and you threw a, you said, hey, let's all get together and play games. And like 65 people showed up or something. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like tons of people showed up. I don't uh, think it was quite that many, but it was definitely, it was, it was, it was dozens, dozens at, of people. Do, 65 is dozens. Closer to 40, but you know, whatever. <laughs> um. So the point is, uh, I saw that and I was like, how can I, with this new information, how can I have this benefit me? Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. that's not exactly how it happened. No, I was just, I was surprised that so many people you showed were up. Excited. I, know, I was just I know like, excited. I was like, holy moly. There's so many people who want to play games of various types. And so from that, my birthday after that, when me and Courtney talked about what we wanted to do for my birthday, I said, I kind of want to just throw a big game day like Sarah did. Like that's the whole genesis of all this. And we called it Carl Con. And we invited a bunch of friends over and we played um, board games all day and then a role playing game that night. And that then became Kier Con and then became Megan Con. And we had one for like each person. Um, uh, that was I guess kind mine of, was the first one because there was never a Sarah Con. So. Well, I think you were moved away for a lot of these. Oh yeah, yeah. We we didn't move back to the area until early 2013. Right, and then at at at, at a certain point, we decided we were kind of just uh, need to name it, and so we named it Evercon, and Evercon uh, became this kind of a. Uh, uh, more than once a year event that we would just all get together and play games. 
play role-playing games and during uh, the night. Uh, so we would play board games and role-playing games. And, and I kind of shifted away from board games uh, just as a hobbyist. I became much more interested in role-playing games and much less interested in board games. And so when, when we were kind of uh, talking about ways to make evercon a bigger thing and we 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 tried it a couple times to evercon um we we had evercon in a game store uh you know and, and had some more people come up but evercon was deeply personal um and so we kind of needed to start this new thing and um it was at an event for homeschoolers and we, we were just we were i don't even think we had decided to homeschool yet we were still considering it and we went to an event and talked to some people but there was at this local place that was super cheap to rent. And that was, you know, all the information I needed is like, we can rent this building and we can have a convention and we can just play RPGs all day. Cause that would had just become my, uh, my focus at that point. And I mean, I think another part of this recipe is North Texas RPG con, which is a convention I love. I love North Texas RPG Con and it's so focused on RPGs. Now it's focused on old school RPGs, which has a special place in my heart. Uh, Arkansas RPG Con is all RPGs. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think just enjoying that so much made me want to bring part of that to our, our area here in Arkansas and central Arkansas. Yeah, we, we definitely have something similar with Geekway to the West where we actually befriended over the years the people who organized that convention and shamelessly steal as much as we can from them and their wisdom um and that's just a, a wonderful asset but that is definitely many, many long conversations yes <laughs> that is definitely a, a a thing that helped inspire us as well as finding a convention that we loved so much and being like we want to do this in our area so basically what you're saying is your number one piece of advice is find someone else who's doing it and steal their stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Talk yes. to them. They, Not I mean, just who for run conventions, conventions, but for pretty much most things in life. That's the best yeah. advice I can give you. Find someone who's doing it and being successful at it and go and copy them exactly. <laughs> go and if you're running a convention, talk to them and be like, hey, help me, teach me your ways. <laughs> If you if you're right, I mean, we've talked about this. If you're running a convention, you're doing it because you love it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. again, if you're passionate about something, you're more than willing to share that passion with somebody who may have questions. So um, yeah, absolutely. If there's a convention you go to that you enjoy, talk to them. They will probably give you some some good advice. Mm -hmm. And I remember having conversations with them after we had done our first convention. And uh, they were really excited that we actually did it because they say that they get talks a lot. People talk about doing a convention, but actually getting confirmation that we took their advice and actually saw it through and ran a convention. They were super excited about that. So it was cool. It was a cool experience yeah. to be able to share that with them. So for us, a big foundation piece to get us to convention level, um, just like Carl kind of built up through through Evercon and just all of his connections that he's made. Um, we actually, Kier and Sarah more specifically, started a game group through through Facebook and other online means, and was able to build a awesome community in our area. And when we continued to see how much interest there was, and how little there was for tabletop gaming in our area. It just kept pushing us more and more to where we did something crazy, like decide to put on a convention with only two months time to turn it all around. That is something if you if you feel like you want to build something in your area, but a convention sounds like too much too fast. And I totally understand because we were just basically talked about how much work it is and how exhausting it is. Seriously, you can just do something as simple as start a start a game group through through Facebook. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But you can set up stuff through libraries, through a lot of local restaurants. If you contact them and, and come during the off hours and get it set up, you can have board game things at restaurants. There's always ways to do smaller scale things with uh, community centers are pretty popular. Yeah. Um, if you have a reasonable rate or can, can use it for free. 
um, but and it, it works with yeah. It'll give you an awesome idea about the the community at a large and their interest level. And this yeah, this know. this changes for everybody because some people live in areas where there's conventions all the time and stuff like that. But we definitely lived in a, a convention drought area. I felt like particularly here, Sarah and I, there was nothing in our region at all that really felt like what we wanted to do. Your library uh, game days—they were a big like warm up for a convention. Is a monthly event, and it was uh, kid-oriented, but also adults, you know. But um, a lot of the same things go on at the library game day that go on at any game convention. Yeah, just not three days worth. It's only like five yeah. hours. So. <laughs> and that's a big draw. That's a big reason why people want the convention is because it does give you a, a reason to spend the weekend playing games, which is it's hard to do in, in life to spend three days doing something just for fun. Um, and there, yeah. there's just something about an event. <laughs> there's something yeah. about giving it a name and planning a day and getting excited about it. You know, I mean, I've played fantastic games at North Texas RPG Con, uh, but I've also played fantastic games at the local game store. You know, uh, you know, so it's it's not necessarily like this particular game was just so exceptional or or not. It's just the excitement and, and to know that you'll you'll find something new and different that you like and, and you know, creating a convention to to provide that opportunity to them. Uh, it's a little bit different. Um, I, I don't know, maybe not. I was going to say it was a little bit different because ours is RPG focused that that uh, a lot of times I, there's people who are kind of like trying out ideas and concepts of of how to make an rpg interesting and and do something different at a convention that they wouldn't necessarily be doing if it was just their thursday night game mm-hmm. um yeah and you know i i, I imagine though still like with board games in there and i know y'all have rpgs as well um there's still that that i will find something new and interesting at this event that i wouldn't necessarily have a chance to see um if it were just, you know, Thursday night at the game store. We do get some of that um, with miniature games and stuff like that. Like there is a guy locally who has taken the um, old Star Trek miniatures game. And I think he's written his own rule set and he's going to be running it at it. I've played it with him. It's been a few years ago, Um, but, but he'll be there. And, and yeah, you're not getting that anywhere else because it's not, I don't think it's a published game. It's Mm -hmm. just something he enjoys running and, and is, is pretty passionate about miniatures games. I also think really that cool. at, <laughs> <laughs> I also think that at board game uh, festivals that a lot of people come to them because they're going to get to play a bunch of games they haven't played before. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, so with Geekway, they have both an extensive library of board games and then they have a selection of what they call play and wins, which are games that when you play them uh, after you're finished, you can enter in for a chance to win them if you think it's a game that you you would want to add to your collection, um, which is one of the things that we totally stole from them. But in addition to that, they have this library. And I remember like the first time I went there, I was really focused on like the play and wins because you think about the prizes, but then more and more it's about this crazy extensive library of games that they have that you just don't get in other places. For me just going to a convention and knowing that they have a room literally full of board games. And I am so excited and have spent just an hour perusing the, the, their collection, not even playing games, just spend an hour in there looking through all of the board games there. There's something conventions are awesome for that. The, the access that you get to things that you want to get elsewhere. Um, and then obviously just the energy from from so many just enthusiasts coming together and mm-hmm. wanting to game. And it's just one of those things where it's invigorating and probably the most exhausting experience uh, I've had um, every time. <laughs> and that comes <laughs> both from running, yeah, running a convention and attending a convention. They're both <laughs> equally exhausting for me. <laughs> so. 
I, I think I thrive on that energy. Like I am not a typically what you would consider energetic person. <laughs> like I am, I'm pretty laid back unless I'm mad. <laughs> but, but boy, I think when I go to a convention, I just want to soak up every bit of that environment. And I think thanks to Megan going through there, this is this is one thing that I'm able to do when I'm not helping run a convention is is still away for a few hours. Having a few hours to go and and calm down and not be among thousands of people playing games and that buzz. I mean, there's like a there's like a general buzz about everything. Unfortunately, you don't get that when you're actually involved in running. <laughs> <It's> like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I've said uh, on multiple occasions in multiple chats that North Texas is my favorite convention, and and, and uh, uh, Bad Mike, uh, uh, who runs North Texas, says, you know, well, you run one, you know, but it, you just don't get to enjoy your own convention the same way that you get to enjoy a convention you go to. Uh, there's definitely a different feeling. Uh, it's still yes. enjoyable, and it's still, uh, it's I would say more fulfilling. Like it's really mm. nice to look out and see these people having a good time at this thing that you um, have put work into. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's just about when I come back from a convention, you know, if we're, we spent three days around hundreds of people who all understand this topic and this concept and these references, it's this sense of community in a, in a very real way but there's this kind of these surreal moments where you'll be like, I don't know, shopping in Walmart and someone will be buying milk and you're like, they don't know nothing about dwarves. <laughs> they don't care. They don't care about they dragons. Might. They might, you don't know, but you know a hundred percent of the time when you're at a convention that yes. all these people care about dwarves. They really care. <laughs> they have very strong dragon opinions. <laughs> and they'll tell you about them if you just give them the moment the moment oh the, the split second opportunity to talk to you about dragons is all they need but uh you don't know anything about that lady buying milk okay so we got a question on how do you start and that is a good question um uh, and we talked a little bit about starting small don't necessarily just start by jumping full into a convention but if you already have knowledge of the community and, and know that there's a gaming audience there well then you you've got to figure out one if you're wanting to do it like a, a for-profit or a charity event that's a big step there's actually turns out there's some legal things that go into running a convention that we're still trying to figure out you you can start without fully understanding all those legal things because I guarantee you everybody in this room did that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Facebook is a huge tool, and you know I hate Facebook, but I I am on Facebook constantly because it is such a good tool to reach out to community, and you can you can even search around on groups uh, already on Facebook that may be in your area. Um, and and get feedback from them because there may be stuff that already exists in your area. But man, how how do you start? What do you, what do you think? And other people, because I know that I I'm still not really <laughs> sure how to start without knowing uh, without knowing exactly your experience. Uh, and the the this question comes from Dozy Clown. I want to mention that because that's a cool name, mm -hmm. Dozy Clown. Without knowing your experience. Um, my first suggestion is, is make sure you go to a few, go to a few conventions and, uh, have that experience behind you where you've kind of, uh, been and seen and maybe take some notes and think about how you would do things differently or if you would do things differently yeah. and then, uh, be prepared to start as small as possible. I think locating a venue is like 90% of the work. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it's for yeah. whatever that, reason. Really, I was going to say, that's really where you have to start beyond right. any kind of thing in your mind. Before you can start asking for help, you have to have a place and you have to have a date. Reason people that rent spaces or, or lease buildings or whatever, they hate returning phone calls. They hate answering their phone. They hate, 
<laughs> they hate making money. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the strangest thing to me. Like uh, there'll be so many. I mean, I will call seven event spaces and hear back from three. I it's ridiculous. It's so weird. Um, and we we had a similar problem. We we ran a small business and we had to find a place to uh, have our small business located at. And I had a similar problem then, like rental properties like just couldn't get a hold of anyone um now that being said your business license and stuff that's all super easy like the the you know you it's you pay like it's so weird how easy that it almost seems too easy like it almost mm-hmm. seems like you didn't do it <laughs> like you're like oh i'm and, a business now okay cool. yeah <laughs> and in a weird way that can be easier than a nonprofit route as far as your your front end, which you oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. a little harder to start to. We've been fortunate enough to be able to partner directly with the charity that we're raising money from, but we're getting to the place where we're big enough that we're going to have to file as our own nonprofit, and that is that is an ordeal that we're going to have to figure out. Um, but if you're if you're looking at at starting up something, um, you can you can look at starting up as just a a, a simple self-employed business I'm, I'm terrible at, at terminology with any of this because i have not experienced any of it yet <laughs> but um you can go and just file as a business and it's fairly easy to get that mm. started um it's a lot harder to to file as a nonprofit, and it varies from state to state obviously too yeah. um Additionally, Carl talked about starting small. I would say also, this is something we did not do, and we have a lot of growing pains that we're still struggling through, but maybe start more niche than than just tabletop gaming or whatever, um, because we, we decided we wanted to do all kinds of tabletop gaming. It made it really difficult to feel like everything was represented properly, um, and there was a lot of times where we felt bad because there was a good representation for board games and a, and a good representation for role-playing games, but there wasn't very many miniature games or there wasn't very many collectible card games. So I always recommend to maybe start small and then if you want to go bigger into other areas of tabletop gaming, know that you can expand into that as you grow. But it's really hard to start with everything because if you've only, say, if you're starting with maybe like a, 200 cap on your attendance and you want to run a miniature tournament for you know 30 people that's a big hunk of your attendance there that's coming for just miniatures and it's hard to guarantee that you're going to get that many in that 200 I would also like to mention third way besides a nonprofit or a business and that's just to do it and make sure there's no money involved whatsoever yeah, I was about uh, find to a venue, that. find a venue that you don't have to pay to use mm-hmm. and or pay for it out of pocket and just Yeah, a lot of community centers are like $50 yeah. a day. So yeah. So and a couple but, of people but just do, pretty easy. Yeah, and just just and do it where there's no yeah. no budget involved and there's no taxes involved or anything like that. And that doesn't mean that you can't uh, like for your library game day, you guys didn't have expenses involved with that or very many expenses involved with that. And and then you grew from that into a regular mm-hmm. convention. Yeah. Uh, so you can always go into a for-profit or a charity event in the future. But there's it just keeping money out yeah. of the picture entirely really makes things a lot easier. Well, and so that's so many. Uh, oh. Go ahead. All right. I was just going to say to reiterate, and that's the thing is, it's really hard to just start with the convention. It's really hard to just jump into the convention without having any awareness of the of your community before you go into that. So that's why that's why I recommended at first, you know, start with looking at doing regular game days and seeing what you can do as far as building up relationships with gamers in your area. Um, go to local game stores and really make sure that you're known at that game store because that can be huge for you in the future. Um, that's 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 the kind of building blocks that you need in place uh, that really help you when you're starting out planning a, a bigger event. Also, it's good to have a nice name and to have a nice logo that just says gaming. You know, it really it's important. 
I was just going to say that there's so many conventions that started out as, as basement conventions, basically mm-hmm. a group of group friends that got together, played, I think Gen Con started this way. I know Geekway did, um, where it was just a group that got together in somebody's, you know, basement and that's their, you know, convention zero. And they're like, nope, we need to move it to a community center or we need to move it to wherever and, and do something with this. So, yeah, I mean, you can get a good game group going. That's a great start. So I'm going to jump in here and just kind of reiterate some of the things that were said. But basically, what I've learned over time uh, is that there is kind of a process that you go through when you're trying to start a group or a convention or anything like this. And uh, it's just to, to, to reiterate, always start free. Try not to invest any money in it because you're not going to get any kind of returns on it free venues, game at your restaurants, game at your library, start a little gaming club, get together at your gaming store, uh, meet these people, figure out who they are, talk to them, and get things growing. Then once you have that, you know, that, that small group of people, that small core that you can count on, then you want to move on into bigger, more organized things. And this is where you can start doing your... Uh, you know, semi-annual, your monthly events, even your annual events that people are get excited about and, and will show up for. And uh, we did all of those things uh, at the Gamers Guild. We had monthly game days at the library. We had uh, uh, annual events that we would run for Tabletop Day and for Free RPG Day. And all of these things were free events that were free to the public and we didn't really, uh, we might have invested some minimal money into, but we, we mostly did it through some donations and things like that. And once you start building up from there, that is the most important thing at starting a convention is you got to find one that's going to be the right price at the right location. From there, you can kick off your first convention. And once you're there, you're ready to kick off your first convention. You've already got a huge foothold in the community. You've got a bunch of people who know who you are, who know what you're about, quality events of yours in the past, and they're going to be excited to go to this event and pay for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I had mentioned that Kira and Sarah had started the Gamers Guild, but that actually started and, and was ongoing for, I think, about two and a half years before we got to the point where we were like, let's, let's sit down and do, do yeah. a, a game convention. So it takes time for sure. And also... Yeah. Don't be discouraged if you plan an event and it doesn't really meet your expectations as far as attendance, because that is part of the growing pains. And it's very easy to get discouraged in those early uh, stages where you're, you're planning an event and you, you, you think it's going to be great. And you're, you had an expectation of 20 people or 30 people or 50 people or however many people you have in your mind and maybe five people show up or no people show up. I mean, these things happen. Um, and, and stuff, you know, gets, gets, uh, discouraged in those early stages. And we, even to this day have like, I mean, we recently ran one of our library game days, which can sometimes have as many as 60 people. And I think we had like 20 people there. It was a really light month. There was hardly anybody there, um, compared to what we're used to. Um, and you know, we've been, we've been writing this for almost five years at this point. So it happens <laughs> consistently throughout all of it is that sometimes events just don't get the attendance that you expect them to get. And sometimes those are the most fun days. Yeah. Which also most of what we do is free and most of what we do is low pressure stuff. The, the NEA Game Fest is really the only thing that we do that's a that's a paid event. We do some other charity events, but everything else that we do is free admission and really low overhead, if any overhead at all. Something that we've had to grow into, which uh, Megan mentioned a little bit, is that being an Omnicon is mm-hmm. more difficult than being a niche or niche con. Uh, because uh, when you're running a niche con, you've got, say, a dozen or more events just in that niche. And whenever you're running an Omnicon, you've got 
a couple of events in any in individual niche. And it's hard for people to justify spending the money to do a couple of things. So one of the things that I recommend is if you are going to run something that spans different genres and make sure you've got kind of a really good core set for each of those genres, do probably a dozen or more miniature games. Uh, we've done probably set up a dozen or more miniature games this year. Uh, but even that, if you've got 12 different miniature games, that's going to attract a, a, a very small subset of miniature gamers who are by and large, they pick one game and they stick to that mm -hmm. game and that's their game. So you've got to keep that in mind. Uh, I recommend trying to find the game in that particular niche that you're the most passionate about, or that's the biggest in the industry or, or by whatever logic that you're using and latch onto that game and make sure you've got several events just for that one game. Find out what's popular in your area for sure. No, um, you're mad for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's weird how, uh, you know, geographically something can be a big hit where you are. That's not really, making a lot of noise online mm -hmm. uh you know so it, you you just have an area where where that somebody there has cultivated a community around this game um and you know what you would want to do is reach out to that person and get them involved in your event and make sure that they're running that game at your event yeah and i will say miniature games and ccgs are definitely a different beast than than board games and and rpgs whereas i feel like with board games and RPGs, if you have somebody who's into those things, they're likely to be into a variety. Um, whereas with collectible card games, they may be into one, and they're really into that game, but they're only really into that one game. And miniature games, you kind of have to pick your poison on that too, because it gets expensive fast. So a lot of people pick one game that's their miniature game. And so you may have 12 miniature game events at your thing but if you only have one of those events being that game that that person's interested in it's going to be discouraging for them to to want to come to your event so it's really hard to cover everything and to please everyone so as much as possible that's why i recommend kind of starting small and finding a niche to begin with and then expanding from there because that's been the that's been the hardest growing pain we've had at our convention am i the only one that knows it's pronounced niche Niche. Come on, I thought you guys were cultured. <laughs> <laughs> I took French. I, <laughs> I believe you mean French. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> um. <laughs> it's getting to the part where I just start <laughs> trolling my siblings. <laughs> start. <laughs> You've been trolling me since you were three years old. <laughs> well, I mean, during the recording, not during the <laughs> lifespan. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, go back to Gen, Gen Con is the, the convention in the United States, and it started as an RPG con in a basement. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of one of those things that, mm -hmm. you know, you don't get. 2000 attendees usually your first con unless you've got something amazing to offer i mean there are obviously like game whole con grew big and fast because they did a lot of things right mm -hmm. but that, i don't think that's a typical experience with local conventions so something else i want to touch on is raising money or or getting prize support for your convention and really rather you're a charity con or a for-profit con uh, either one, the number one thing to do is you go out and you ask people. Yeah. So there's a, um, I also help food pantry. And one of the biggest pieces of, of advice that they give you in running a food pantry is always ask, you know, never shy away from the ask. Uh, and that's, that's a huge thing. Always ask. You find a venue you like and you, it's too expensive, ask if they could do a discount or ask if there's like an off-season time that would be, be 
uh, a time that you can run it in. There's always opportunities to to find ways of saving and make and making your convention bigger and better for sure. I like to shamelessly go into stores and uh, ask for uh, for donations, even though I'm 99.9 percent certain that it's gonna be like a corporate thing there's there's been so many stores where i've gone into and i've given them a sponsorship letter and they basically said you have to go through corporate to do this and i said yeah i knew that but it didn't hurt to ask because there's you never know beyond just that store that that person that you talk to could have connections could know other places could be really into gaming and really excited about your convention even if you don't get a sponsorship you may get a badge sale so always always ask there's been a few times where i'm going around town and i'm bringing posters and i'm just hanging up posters for the convention and i'll walk in and i'll say here's this poster can i hang it up in your your store they'll be like sure and then i'll be like oh and by the way would you like to donate something you know we've got a you know a silent auction we've got prizes things like that and I'm surprised the number of times that a person says, you know what? Yeah, I would like to donate something. Here, let me set something up. I have no more wisdom to impart because <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I am faking it. I am faking all of it. That's, that's the truth. It's like, it's really true. people kind of came to us for advice for, for uh, uh, running a convention. I'm just like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> Fall down and get back up. That's really yeah. the... <laughs> it is very enjoyable. It is yeah. very enjoyable and it is very fulfilling. Uh, yes. But it is uh, it is also extremely stressful. And it's it's kind of like just throwing a party, right? You throw a party and you kind of stress out and hope everybody has a good time at your party. Uh, it's like that, except um, uh, taxable. <laughs> people, are pay, people are paying to get in. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit heightened. It's a little bit heightened. But um it's still it's still really rewarding too i am a very stable genius with extreme stuff and i i want to mention that at a gaming convention of any type or at any convention or at any event the most important thing the reason people really come is to be with other people mm -hmm. they come to talk to people they come to listen to people to meet people to meet someone who wrote this game to play a module that someone wrote or just to put on a game and meet a bunch of kids. You know, I mean, that's what conventions are all about. It's or festivals of any type. It's about people getting together and enjoying themselves. Yeah. And you'll find if you, if you create a place that's comfortable and that, that, People feel like they can be themselves in. You don't necessarily have to offer all of the the, the big convention um, draws because word of mouth is one of your biggest friends. And if you get a small group there that first year and they really enjoy themselves and they want to come back that next year, they're probably going to bring some of their friends. They're not just going to come back and keep it a secret. They want more people there and they're going to bring their friends and those friends are going to bring friends. And every person that I've talked to that's had anything to do with conventions has talked about a tipping point as when it's, it's kind of small, it's kind of small. And then as that word of mouth and as, the, as you get that reputation, um, more and more people are going to come just because they're dragged there by their friends who have been to the convention in previous years. And that that definitely happened to me with Geekway. Like like Sarah and and her family went to Geekway several years before I finally got, you know, pulled into it. And many people from our game group in our area travel up um, to to go to Geekway because we just keep talking about it and keep pulling more and more people in. So I think we had thirty people from our group there last year. The first year I went, we had four. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> so we know we know this is how it works because we do this. <laughs> um, yeah, and it is. It's it's very much so. Uh, we came and we talked about what we did, and, and it was like next year I'm going, and then just slowly. <laughs> and it's it's there's people that every year there's, and it's almost always the same return people, <laughs> but just new ones tacked on. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. and that's that's what you want is you want something that's going to keep 
bringing the same people back and bringing their friends as well. And that's 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 gonna happen. If you run a if you run a solid convention, especially in those earlier years where it's still kind of small and manageable, you will know your attendees. I know most of the people that come to our convention. Um, we're actually starting to get to the point where we have people who register and we're like, we, we're not sure who that is, which is uh, a scary uh, uh, a thing because now now we know that we're growing beyond our, our reach that we, we are comfortable with. So now we're, now we're at the potential of, of risk, risking that tipping point and then we're going to have to actually pretend a little bit harder that we know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> or just learn real quick. I don't know. <laughs> No, I'm just going to pretend the entire time. <laughs> You're better at that than I am. <laughs> I do all the research and then forget everything. <laughs> all right. So conventions, any last words of wisdom? I know Carl's tapped out. <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> Just do it. I mean, if it's something you're if it's something you're passionate about and you would really like to do it, yeah. I mean, yeah. We absolutely. like like I said, we jumped in, or Megan said, we jumped in. We didn't know what we were doing, and we're like, we're going to do this thing because we saw the opportunity in our area. So yeah, if you're passionate about it, I, and I say this about anything, if you're passionate about it, start it. <laughs> um, you know, maybe not jump in with both feet, but but you know, you can always work your way up to. To you know, put a little toe in and and just start yeah. building up from that. And the interesting thing I found with conventions is that it's very hard to get oversaturated in an area because we had an area that was convention starved, so we wanted to start a convention. But I've talked with people who were in places that had conventions all the time. And they started a convention and were very successful and very well attended because there's all these people in that community that love going yeah. to conventions. So don't don't be just don't do, don't don't do yours on the same you know. Yeah, don't do don't like compete. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that, that's not the advice I'm giving you, but don't be discouraged. If there's already three big conventions in your area, well, that means that there's a lot of audience in your area to attend to that, those, those conventions. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people in your area to meet, to have that big of a demand. So that means that you may even have an easier time starting a convention than if you were in an area that no, but nobody was uh, used to conventions being a thing. So. And that's part of what we had to grow into too, is there were a lot of people in our area that had never been to a convention, didn't really know what it was we were doing so yeah we had so, to do a bit of education on top one of, of my one of my favorite things from the first year is when some some volunteers from from the uh, children's shelter that we were raising money from came and they they'd been working with us through this entire process but they never really grasped on to what we were doing and then they came and they saw a hundred people hanging out and playing games and spending money and having a great time and they were just like, "Oh, this is like a legit thing. This isn't just like a little, a little, you know, gathering like a group of twenty people or whatever." They they were very surprised by our little baby convention of a hundred people. So um, there's a lot there's a lot of education to be put out there. But they were excited about it, and they they have been like hugely supportive of us throughout all of this. Um, because it's an event that they're really excited that's different and new. Pick a good charity. Kids, animals. That's <laughs> if, if you want to raise Turning kids and animals. For, raise money for kids and animals. That's all you got to do. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we're, we're uh, I think we're uh, out of wisdom about a half an hour ago at this point. So... <laughs> We're gonna we we're gonna like we're gonna say we're gonna say thank you uh, for listening <laughs> to the podcast and come back next month when we talk about something else. Don't um, forget to neuter your kids. Don't forget to neuter your kids. <laughs> Turn them into animals. And <laughs> Carl, no. <laughs> Control the kid population. <laughs> Get rid of them. Shut it down. Humanity's <laughs> over. Fill it with concrete, everyone. All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
You have been listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, recorded October 7th, 2019, on the Gamer Plus Inspired Unreality Open Game Chat, held at Tanker's Tavern on Discord. For more about our geeky family, visit relatedtogeeks.com. For more information about Inspired Unreality, join Gamer Plus, a social network for gamers, at gamerplus.org. The music for this show is Alphonium by Harry Larry. Hear more jazz from Harry Larry at harrylarryland.com.